0: 8:35 on Christmas Eve. Jack campbell's still at his desk. Now there's a Hallmark moment for you. Peter, I don't see you rushing home to trim the tree. That's because I'm a heartless bastard. Who only cares
1: about money. Well, you know what? God love you for that. Bells
2: will be ringing. The sad sad Me greeting once again. Choirs will be singing. Silent night. Christmas carol back in the light. Please come home for Christmas. Please come home for Christmas. Not for
3: Christmas, but New Year's night. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas weekend. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas uh, craziness out in the malls, out at the shopping, or uh, for those of you that are Uber, not Uber drivers, uh, uh, Amazon drivers or UPS drivers or FedEx drivers working on working on Christmas Eve and working on Christmas day, these times, uh, you know, Merry Christmas to you guys. And, uh, what would we do without you? What would we do without you? Nobody, we don't have uh we don't have quite the same amount of retail places to go shopping. So everything's so there's so much more done online and the traffic in our cities with, with Amazon vans and, uh, FedEx vans and UPS vans. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, uh, Hey, you know what? This, this is the world we live in. This is the world we live in, and uh, welcome to it. So uh, I'm going to... Uh, I open up with that movie from, uh, from the family, man. You know what? Uh, 8.35, Christmas Eve, Jack Campbell still at his desk. You know some of you guys are out there working and working and working? That's usually me. That's usually me, because you guys call in and, and need, uh, and need uh, houses to close. And, uh, you know, Hey, it's time to go to bed. Hey, it's time. To, hey, I got to take care of these people. They're buying a house. And, uh, you know, I use that, that song from the Eagles, please come home for Christmas. You know, the Eagles are part of a, uh, have a, uh, have a, uh, management company that doesn't allow us to, to use lots of their music. But this one I was able to, because the Eagles did not ride it. And I said, I'm determined I'm going to get Eagles on my show without having anybody get in trouble. But hey, there it is. there it is. So uh, Merry Christmas everybody, and uh, I'm going to tell you about what's been going on in the last week and week and a half or so. and uh, my opinion of it, but before I do, let me introduce myself. my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're ready to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities as we watch interest rates come down. And in some places in this country, we're watching prices come down. Let me say that again. In some places in this country, we're watching prices come down and coming down into uh, as much as double digits in certain places. Um, so for you, those of you buyers, it's a great it's a great time, and there's great times ahead for those of you sellers. You might have you might have uh, waited a bit too long, but you know, in general, in general across the country, prices are still stable. But there are some places that there's options. There's some some opportunities out there. Be ready for it. And if you haven't read my book, Experience Matters. Here's mine. There's about six or seven chapters on real estate, talking specifically about market timing. And uh, you know, I, I express my theory that good investors make make good money in good markets, and great investors make better money in bad markets. And as the as the opportunities come around, and let, and let me preface this with this. As we're seeing the interest rates come down, I'm, I haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure Biden's going to come out and say, hey, Biden inflation, you know, not enough Bidenflation, uh, Bidenomics. Bidenomics is working. See, we're seeing the interest rates come down. Interest rates are coming down because we're going into a recession. And I see some places say, hey, we're not going to go into recession. Well, all evidence, is, all evidence is that we are. And things are slowing down because the prices have gone up. And when they say, hey, inflation's coming down. Inflation's coming down. That doesn't mean prices are going down. That just means it's not going up as fast. So when you hear all the BS from uh, the Democrats and all the uh, spin doctors from the White House tell you how uh, how great Biden is doing and how everybody how everybody should be feeling this, even if they don't. Oh yeah, Biden's doing a great job for the economy. We've got more jobs than any 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 time. All that BS that they've been saying for three years. Um, now that there's signs that that uh you know gas prices have come down a little bit and uh, and um, um, the interest rates are coming down um, has nothing to do with having a strong economy so uh, take everything with a grain of salt so uh, so again if you're interested in getting involved in any of those fantastic opportunities you need financing call me toll free at 855-640-2020 that's 855-640-2020 one last time dear night toll free area code 855 855- 640 2020. If you want to talk about loans, but you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, E D H O F F M A N.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo and uh, fill, in the, fill in the form there. Tell me how much information you want back. Give me as much information as you want me to have. And you'll hear back from me, one, either myself or one of my talented teammates will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. And whether that's to uh, rearrange your debts, on uh, properties that you already own or in uh, or to uh, pick up a piece of property that you'd like to own and whether that's in California or another state, or if you'd like to find out more about those reverse mortgage things, if you've checked them out, if you've checked them out in the past and they didn't work for you um, as interest rates come down, they work better. So, you know, when the interest rates are on the, on the way high, um, they, they, um, they don't quite give you as much money as you want, and of course, if you if they give you enough to do it, when the interest rates come down farther, you can you can do what's called a Heckam to Heckam refinance and redo them, get more money with just signing some papers. Um, but if the uh, um, but if they didn't work before, as the interest rates come down, you'll see the numbers will change. And uh, if you haven't checked them out, and you're over sixty-two, and you've got more years left, and you have money, but you have a lot of equity in your house. Again, call me 855-640-2020. Um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the sound uh, the podcast on SoundCloud uh, or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe for free and have it automatically download to your, your phone or your pod your iPad, your iPod, whatever device you, uh, you listen to podcasts on, and you can listen to it on demand. Um, If you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Hey, did I finish that whole introduction completely? We'll have a drink of water, and we'll get on to what's happening. As you may recall, Hunter Biden was scheduled for a closed-door deposition last week. But on December 13th, he defied the congressional subpoena to appear. Not only did Hunter defy the order to appear, he further solidified his reputation as the most problematic first son in American history, by delivering a press conference on why he wasn't appearing. Now, you may be wondering, how is this allowed? How is the president's son, who we are frequently told is a private citizen, was he able to command a press conference on congressional property? Well, we have the answer. It's because one of our least favorite California congressmen made arrangements to reserve this spot for Hunter. Which congressman? Well, if you saw Hunter's press conference, then you know smarmy, slimy, Eric Swalwell was standing behind Hunter's lawyer, Abby Lowell. As it turns out, Swalwell used his own congressional credentials to give Hunter access to the property and to hold a press conference from the Hill on December 16th. At first, one had to wonder whether Eric Swalwell had simply wandered by the presser on the way to to his office. But the Biden team set up the conference on the Senate side out of the reach of the House Sergeant-at-Arms who might not have reacted well to an act of open contempt of Congress on his side of the Capitol. We later learned that Swalwell was not there simply as a pedestrian, but as a participant. It was Swalwell who helped orchestrate the defiance of his own house and facilitated an alleged federal crime. Swalwell used his official position to reserve this space for the press conference and lent his assistance to Hunter in refusing to appear before the House Committee on Investig- that was investigating his father, President Biden. It was a curious role for a former House impeachment manager to play in assisting in obstruction of an impeachment inquiry of three House committees. You know, and I wonder, I wonder when, when talking about this, did Eric Squawwell actually commit a crime there?
2: But I want you to know, Stan, he had nothing to do with it.
3: Did he help you plan it?
2: No. I mean, I mean, it wasn't planned out, you know, just like, you know, it just happened.
3: Did Stan try to stop you at any time? No.
2: I mean, he was. Why is that a big deal? Aiding and abetting. Aiding and abetting? What is that, a major thing? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, aiding and abetting. Eric Swall was aiding and abetting him, uh, committing contempt of Congress. Uh, Can we put him in jail for that? Can we uh, can we uh, at least uh, censure him like we did with the guy that pulled the fire alarm to stop a congressional hearing? Unlike the unlike the people that were there on January 6th in the Capitol that that were thrown in jail and uh, committed and uh, uh, convicted of crimes. Hey, we charge him with a felony. And then we uh, we 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 ram ram them with uh, legal fees. Until they finally give up and say, "Okay, well, I'll uh, plead guilty to misdemeanors," then we go out and say, "Hey, they pleaded guilty to a crime." Yeah, because the uh, federal government never runs out of our money, and uh, these private citizens who felt it was their right to protest peacefully and and patriotically, um, they don't have unlimited sort unlimited uh, uh, money sources like the federal government does. Who they don't have unlimited money sources either, except for they. When they run out of our money, they just print some more. By now, we've all heard the primary purpose of this event, to shame Americans who care about the influence-peddling schemes Hunter and his father engaged in during and after Joe's vice presidency. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, the schemes that his father didn't engage in with him. Yes, yeah, sure. That's right. Here's
0: Hunter. I'm here today to answer at a public hearing any legitimate questions Chairman Comer and the House Oversight Committee may have for me. I'm here today to make sure that the House committee's illegitimate investigations of my family do not proceed on distortions, manipulated evidence, and lies. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. In the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd is shameless. There's no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not
3: happen. No, there's no evidence at all except for bank records and and canceled checks and wire transfers and there's no not one scintilla of evidence as the as the uh, Democrats like to say the the Republicans don't have one scintilla of evidence. And hey, I'm here today. Well, you're not really here today. You're not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be on the other side of the building. And you're supposed to be inside in a deposition. And, the, and, you know, to, to this, this illegitimate investigation of my family. Well, we know it's legitimate. We know it's legitimate because we have all the evidence. But, you know, what the, the Democrat playbook is just keep denying, denying, just never admit anything. Then came one of Hunter's, Hunter's demands for an open hearing. I think we all know why he wants it. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans
0: can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say.
3: What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah, you're here. You're ready. Except for there's a big difference between an open hearing and a closed-door deposition. Closed-door deposition is you have you have attorneys and you have uh, people asking the questions and you have court reporters and they're asking questions to Hunter Biden and he's answering them. And there's no, uh, there's an attorney for Hunter that can say, I object to that question or, hey, asked and answered or any of that stuff. But you don't have, what they don't want to have open hearing is because then you got five minutes of questions and then five minutes of of just gibberish from the Democrats. Oh, I'm sorry you have to go through this. Oh, I thank you for coming. coming. You're such a good good American, Hunter Biden, spending all your money on, on hookers and booze and sex clubs and, and pornographic stuff and uh, writing it off your taxes. You're such a good American. We're sorry you have to go through this illegitimate attack from the mean old Republicans. It's amazing to me. You know, you have to be able to cut through the BS and that everything that came out of that guy's mouth was BS. But that wasn't what the last we saw from Hunter in this past week. After defying the congressional subpoena, Hunter was seen out and about with his father over the next several days, jewelry shopping together in Greenville, Delaware, going to church in Wilmington, outings that had to be facilitated by the White House to help Joe Biden signal to America that he supports the entitled behavior of his 53-year-old son. I just don't think I could... Uh, if my if if my son was fifty three years old and supposed to be standing on his own two feet, and he was uh, still creating issues like this, I just think I would have to turn my back and say, "Son, you made your bed, lie in it." You know, you break the laws, you have to pay the pay the pay the price. You don't do the time if don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And I think, but you know, Biden's involved in all this stuff, so he has to show, he has to show. Uh, support for his 53-year-old son. After all, the White House confirmed that President was familiar with Hunter's plans to hold the press conference after defying the subpoena. This could actually help Republicans because they can add obstruction of Congress count to Biden's articles of impeachment, if articles of impeachment actually come to be. At the same time, the White House put Hunter Biden on Marine One with the President for all his holiday gallivanting without putting his name on the flight log. Why would that be? Hey, here's all the people that are on this on this uh, Air Force Air Force Two uh, or Marine One Marine One helicopter. Here's all the people. It can't be that long of a list, but they left Hunter Biden off of it each time. So, which one is it? Is the White House proud of his middle-aged man child who sold our sold out our national security, or they're not? It seems to be a uh, a uh, a conflict in what they say and what they and what we see. Well, the White House response is more or less, how dare you question this? Because Corinne Jean-Pierre explained the entire day of the Biden fun in Delaware, from shopping to the Catholic mass to the ritzy Italian lunch the family had afterwards, was to honor the 51st anniversary of the death of Joe Biden's first wife and daughter. So don't you feel ashamed of yourself. Let's hear this week's rehashing of the same old Biden sympathy play.
2: The family gets to... Uh, travel with uh, with the president, and and that's been the case with every other president. Why does the president think it's appropriate that taxpayer dollars should be used to fly him around when he's been indicted and justified a congressional subpoena? You know, um, the president and their family were, uh, obviously, uh, it was a somber somber anniversary uh, that they were recognizing, Uh, and uh, so you could imagine what that is like. Uh, for
3: them, yeah, I think the last time we had a family member the president um, embarrass the president, fam- the president so much was uh, Billy Carter during uh, Jimmy Carter's brother. Remember the guy with Billy beer? He was a uh, he was uh, you know the black sheep of the family. You know, not a very responsible dude. Came out with uh, his own beer, and uh, but I don't remember Jimmy Carter having him at the White House and carting him around in front of everybody or uh, or actually him being a uh, um, convicted of of crimes involving the president. So I don't know. but but now now we know that Hunter is the only Biden offspring to have trouble with paying taxes. as it turns out, both his kids have that in common. First daughter, Ashley Biden, who Joe also managed to screw up with his terrible parenting. if you recall what was in her leaked diaries, you know that she's a sex addict because her dad was made her take showers with him. When she was young, um, she owes $5,000 in income taxes from 2015 to 2021, according to recent tax lien docket. Actually, Biden does not currently have a job. Does anyone in this family? But if we're looking at her work history, we can tell these taxes are, are mostly owed from the year she was employed as a social worker. Now, there's a good one. Uh, have someone who's uh, mentally messed up, emotionally deranged, be a social worker to help troubled families. Ashley previously worked at the Delaware Department of Services for Children and then a nonprofit called Delaware Center of Ju- Center for Justice. If we look into it, we'll probably find out that one of the Biden family members owns that nonprofit. In 2019, she left the nonprofit to work on her dad's presidential campaign. So there are 2 years where her taxable income is unaccounted for, but the bottom line is, why don't Joe Biden's kids pay their fair share? Isn't that what their dad constantly preaches to the rest of us? Look, I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist, but pay your fair share. But we also
0: have to raise revenue and go after tax cheats and make sure everybody's paying their fair share. Well, it's about time they step up and start paying a fair share. The wealthy still do evolve. They got to start paying their taxes. It's a matter of decency. It's a matter of dignity.
3: It's about just paying your fair share, for Lord's sake. Yeah, he's a capitalist. Hey, I'm a capitalist, really? No signs of it. No, he never was a capitalist. He was the. He was the senator, the, the, one, the senator with the lowest net worth in the entire Senate for all those years. He was in a senator until he got to be vice president. No, he didn't, he didn't go out and, and invest, in, invest in houses and flip them. He didn't buy houses and stick, them, stick renters in them and then, uh, and then make money off that. He didn't put houses, people and uh, uh, renters in houses and then flip them when the market turned. Didn't do that. He didn't invest in the stock market. He didn't do anything. He didn't give startup money to a to a company to to start up and then get some get some uh, get his share of the profits at the end. His only his only history as being a capitalist is selling out our country, and he only started that when he became vice president. So uh, hey, I'm a capitalist, but you know you got to play your pay your fair share. Biden doesn't pay his fair share, none of his kids do. Uh, It's as someone who pays a lot of taxes. It angers me, to say the least. Let's close out this half with some thoughts on this from my friend Joey Jones. This is from Outnumbered on Monday. This idea
1: that he's some uh, victim is is insane to me. Uh, to the very to the very least, he, he's a man that's made terrible decisions and had every excuse not to. Uh, when we talk about this this IRS tax thing. Listen, I don't want anybody to pay more taxes than they have to. If she can get out of paying five grand, good on her. I don't want the government to get any more of my money, hers, <laughs> or anybody else's. But it's not her taxes that matter. It's the fact that we know about her taxes because everyone in her family of note is being investigated on potentially selling our country out. But what Republicans in Congress have to better job doing is explaining that the justice department has failed in its mission and its charter and the only thing left is an impeachment inquiry as an investigative tool to get a little bit of answers on this hmm. and, and we as american people not just republicans republicans democrats independents we want to know if the current president in the white house has done things to sell our country out where there's yeah. smoke there may be fire we deserve to know that
3: well you're right if there's smoke there's fire. We deserve to know what's going on with uh, Biden and him selling our country out and uh, all, the, all, the, uh, all the money that he extorted from our country into other countries and just to get it kicked back to his family. We deserve to know about that. I do disagree on, uh, with Joey on the, on the uh, subject of the 5000 bucks. Hey, if she can get out of paying the 5000 I don't want the government to get any more of my money or her money, anybody else's. Guess what? If she owes the $5,000 pay it, you know, I see all these commercials for all these guys. Hey, you know what? I owed the, I owed the, uh, the IRS, this much money and this company. Got me out of it. Well, you only owe the IRS that money because you, because you didn't pay it. You're supposed to pay your taxes as you go along. And, uh, while I don't like paying taxes either. There's tons of legal way, legal ways to reduce them, but, if I have to pay my fair share, everybody else has to pay theirs. And uh, if it's five thousand, or it's five hundred, or it's five dollars, everybody's everybody should pay something. That's why I think we should go to the uh, consumption tax, to where you pay ta- you pay a national sales tax on everything. Nobody has to pays nobody gets to pay zero, and nobody has to pay fifty percent. And because uh, it's not fair to anybody, and everybody spends money, everybody pay a percentage based on that. That way, it's hard to cheat. I'm sure somebody will find a way. To, to cheat regardless but that's my opinion and uh you're welcome to it anyway so uh we're all out of time for this half the main event stay tuned for five minutes traffic weather sports and commercials and i'll be right back with lots more do
1: you think i like being here on christmas eve Alan? no well maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay Okay, maybe I do have a touch of tunnel vision this holiday season, but in two days we're going to announce one of the largest mergers in U.S. corporate history. When a deal like this turns up, you get on it and you ride it till it's over. You don't ask it for a vacation. December 26th. After that, there'll be so much money floating around here, it'll be like Christmas every day. December 26th, people, if you'd like to celebrate that day, you all have my blessing. You're right, Jack. I'm, I'm really sorry. No, I don't want you to be sorry, Alan. I want you to be excited. I want my gift to you to be the first gift you open this year. You know why? I, because my gift comes with ten
2: zeros. So won't you tell me
3: again and welcome back to part two of the main event my name is ed hoffman with united american mortgage i don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio but if you have real estate and you need financing or you'd like to have real estate and you need financing call me toll free at 855 640 2020 i will get you on the on the right path to uh, the decision that makes the most sense for you if you have real estate and you uh, want to rearrange your rearrange your uh, your finances, you, you've you got debt and it's starting to choke you and you'd like to uh, consolidate it and make your payments go down. If you've got more, if you're over 62 and you got more years left and you have money or you have lots of equity, um, we'll talk about reverse mortgage. And uh, uh, just call me 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. All right, so uh, let's talk about in this half, let's talk about the border funding battle. The passage of Joe Biden's $105 billion supplemental emergency request fund uh, for Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan, which was actually closer to 106 billion to start and then became 111 billion once uh, congressional Democrats got their hands on it, seems unlikely to happen before the new year, thankfully. Remember that thing? Hey, uh, Israel's at war, and we need to support them. We're going to send them fourteen point three billion. But at the same time, with the same with the same thing, we need to send sixty one billion over to Ukraine, and a couple bucks over to Taiwan, and we'll throw we'll throw a you know a dollar fifty over to the border to keep our. own. We want to make sure we protect the borders of Ukraine, but our borders are still left open. So uh, that's just a non-starter for Republicans. And it's only uh, because Republicans have stayed strong for a change uh, on including the border policy changes in the bill that this is not going to pass. That's a good thing since the border crossing record set two weeks ago has already been broken again this week. On Monday, over twelve thousand five hundred migrants crossed the U.S. border. So once again, we have a new largest number of migrant crossings ever recorded in a single day, and I'm sure that record won't stand for long before it's broken. You know, it's uh. It's scary to watch what's happening on the on the southern border and to think that all these people are just millions and millions and millions of people are just coming across. We don't know who they are. For those of us old enough to remember 9-11, which apparently there's a whole bunch of people at voting age that, that weren't even alive yet, um, it's scary to think that that's likely going to happen again. It's scary to think of, what happens when you have all kinds of criminals? It's like, hey, let's open up, let's open up the, uh, the jails and just let all these, all these uh, felons out and let them go wherever they want. Or well, where do you want to go? I want to go to Philadelphia. I want to go to New York. I want to go to Chicago. Whatever. Everybody wants to go somewhere. And these people are not good people. Or we don't even know who they are. They don't have any right to be here. And they're coming across and, and, and we're paying for them. So Texas Governor Abbott responded by approving a new law that will allow any Texas law enforcement officer to arrest illegal immigrants, effectively turning every police officer in the state into a border agent. The White House called it dehumanizing, and Greg Abbott responded by saying the Biden administration forced his hand. The law
2: is incredibly extreme and it does not make, it does not make communities in Texas safer. It just does not. It dehumanizes, uh, which is what Republicans tend to do. Certain Republicans tend to do is dehumanize immigrants and and also uh, demonize them.
1: Biden's deliberate inaction has left Texas to fend for itself. The authors of the United States Constitution foresaw a situation when the federal government would be inattentive to states that faced challenges at their borders. And in response, they inserted Article 1, Section 10 to the United States Constitution to empower states to take
3: action to defend themselves. And that is exactly what Texas is doing. This is what will make states want to uh, secede from the Union. If, if they're getting no benefit from being part of the United States in, uh, in that they have the federal government protecting its borders, then what's the point of, of, uh, being part of the United States and Texas for one has an economy where they could, where they could survive on their own because of the amount of oil that they have. And, uh, you know, when, when, uh, KJP says it does not make communities in Texas, any, any safer based on what less criminals coming into your into your country makes your communities safer. Less criminals coming into your country make your communities all over the country safer. But you know what? This is how Democrats think. It's dehumanizing. And it's demonizing what Republicans tend to do. We tend to, to dehumanize people. Well, we're Americans and we want Americans to live in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we want to be safe. And we want to have and we want to be able to uh, not have to give half our paychecks to the government so they can, so they can uh, uh, facilitate all these other countries sending all their people here. Now for the congressional side of this. As you may recall, House Speaker Mike Johnson called Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer two weeks ago to say the House would not pass any more funding for Ukraine unless it was paired with the immigration reforms they passed back in September, the Secure Border Act, also known as HR two. And as you may recall, Chuck Schumer's exact quote was, I told him this is a non-starter. We can't be, you know, he's saying, hey, we, we can't be protecting our own borders. We can't be making that a priority over giving money to Ukraine. I think Schumer's getting a kickback from that too. Uh, so where does that leave us? From Politico on Monday, Senate border negotiations are almost certainly going to continue into January based on comments from several senators involved in, the, in these talks. The lead negotiators, Senators Kirsten Sinema, Independent from Arizona, James Lankford, a Republican from Oklahoma, and Chris Murphy, Democrat from Connecticut, consistently asserted that they'd made steady progress in these talks. But they also routinely tossed around words like complex, arcane, and Byzantine. Reading between the lines, it's obvious all sides think they still have a ways to go in drafting a border security language. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina made the Sunday show rounds to speak for Republicans. On NBC Meet the Press, he confirmed the negotiations will go into next year. And on Fox News Sunday, he stated he would proudly vote no if the bill falls short on border security. I look forward to voting no to a bad deal next week. I hope they bring up an immigration proposal
2: that doesn't do the job to see if I'll vote no. I will gladly vote no to a bad deal next week. I am not going to be... Press to do something that doesn't make
3: sense. Wow! Republicans are having a backbone. That's something new. Here's the here's the a report from Fox's Hillary Bond plus comments by uh, Marsha Blackburn and the Turtle Mitch McConnell.
1: Well, it seems that all leader Chuck Schumer wants is a border deal for Christmas, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get it. A vote on something is much more likely after the new year. The sticking points are not really over money, but policy. Republicans want major changes to the parole and asylum policy for illegal immigrants. And while senators are working towards a framework agreement this week, no one wants to vote for this until they review the legislative text for now. Most of the details of that are being kept secret. I think one of the things to consider is. Chuck Schumer is
0: not happy, he's not getting the Christmas tree that he has every year, where they just really ramp up the spending. And that was the purpose of having this great big $106 billion spending bill, because we have the CR that comes up in January, and we don't have that push right here at Christmas, so they've manufactured one. Mm-hmm. Now Republicans have held together and have said, no talk about anybody else's border until we secure our border.
2: Senate Republicans will not make up for others showing up late to the table by waiving our responsibility to carefully negotiate and review any agreement before before voting on it.
3: Well, I just want to mention that that CR that Marsha Blackburn mentions um, involves a deadline coming up uh, January 19th. And then the second deadline coming up two weeks later on February 2nd. Well, they have a lot of negotiations to, to finish before those deadlines to avoid having another continuing resolution to just kick the can down farther, farther down the line. Um, coming up in, uh, by January 19th, um, everybody's going home for, uh, for Christmas holidays for three weeks. I think when you don't finish your job during your regular work hours, you have to work overtime. And if that doesn't give you any extra pay, tough. You spend too much time doing nothing, and you guys should be back in Washington, D.C. negotiating this to make sure that we don't have to keep spending money on B.S. But that's my opinion, and I could be wrong. I don't think so. Um, Okay, the war on Trump continues uh, with one state taking the most dramatic, drastic measure to keep former president off the ballot this year. In a historic 4-3 to ruling, The California Supreme Court ruled that Trump is disqualified from serving as U.S. president. In a historic 4-3 ruling, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Trump is disqualified from serving as U.S. president and therefore cannot appear on the primary ballot in Colorado uh, due to his role in January 6th. Of course, his role in January 6th has not ever been uh, um, litigated other than by the Democrats with their uh, show trial. Um, and you know, they, they came up with a, with an answer and then, then, uh, made a, a show for everybody to see the court's tool was rarely used constitutional provision that bars officials who have have engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding office. But that little section, a uh, section three of, uh, of the 14th amendment can go back to bite Biden too. So let me just read you this part here. Um, Section 3 of the Civil civil War, area, of the civil War era, 14th Amendment says, No person shall hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, who, having previously taken an oath as officer of the United States to support the Constitution of the United States, shall be engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So they're saying that he was part of the insurrection where which we all we all know, we all know, we all believe that it was a setup. That you know, uh, Trump supporters went to peacefully and patriotically um, protest the the election that we believe was was uh, stolen, uh, with mountains and mountains of evidence that sure make everything look suspect. And you know, uh, pallets of ballots coming from all over the country into wherever they needed to be. Um, to fill the gaps when they stopped counting, which they never do. Wait, 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 wait. Let's stop counting right here so we can take a break and uh, see how many pallets of ballots we need to roll in here. Because uh, he's uh, Trump's up by three hundred thousand in this state, two hundred thousand in this state, one hundred fifty thousand in this state. So we're gonna get those trucks in here and let's uh, load these things in before everybody comes back to start counting again. And uh, you know, four hours later, we wake up to a whole different, whole different uh, a reality than what we went to sleep. Uh, watching, and uh, so we know that, and we believe that Trump supporters went there to to do their duty to to peacefully protest, and the Democrat Party wouldn't, you know, Nancy Pelosi wouldn't put um, security in in Washington D.C. to uh, to uh, protect them against insurrection. They throw a handful of Antifa guys put. Um, make America great hats on them and have them start stirring crap up. And while you hear the Trump supporters going, no, no, no. And you hear uh, hear the one guy that's saying, hey, we need to go into the Capitol. And all the uh, uh, Trump supporters are going, Fed, 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 they're setting it up. No, Fed, he's a Fed. We know this was all going on. And then they put on this show trial so they could tell everybody that Trump was, was uh, inciting insurrection. That never happened. We all saw what we saw. You heard Trump say, hey, after this rally, we're going we're gonna to walk down to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically protest. Let make, make our voices heard. He didn't start that. But what we did see, we did see that Biden released $6 billion to the Iranians, which turned into an attack, um, attack against Israel two weeks later we all saw him him trading uh bad hostages uh, that are uh, that were attacking our country for for nothing hostages with uh with Iran. We saw all this stuff happening which is aiding enemies of United States. So that could still go back to the same thing. This could take make Biden uh, uh ineligible to be uh, to hold office as well, which we know he shouldn't be in office anyway. However, there's no precedent for using this against a US president. Trump would also be the first, which is exactly how they want it. Trump has vowed to appeal the ruling in the to the U.S. Supreme Court, and Colorado said it would it would delay the effect of the decision until January 4th to allow for his appeal. I don't know what he's gonna do by January 4th, but maybe file the appeal. Um, but you know, this this all comes by because of January 5th is their deadline to start printing ballots for the primary two months later, because you know, that's how long it takes for printers to print ballots, two months um, for, the Colorado, for the Colorado primary. Um, I bet you they could find somebody else. I bet you they could find a printer to do it, to do the job uh, at prevailing rates a lot faster than that. If Trump's appeal is unsuccessful and the state's court ruling prevails, Colorado voters would not see any write-in votes for Trump County either, because as Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold said, we do not count votes for unqualified writing candidates. This is amazing. Now election ec- experts are saying Colorado is so blue that Biden will carry the state no matter what. So getting Trump off the ballot in Colorado is not what matters. What matters is this whole thing is being viewed as a test case for wider effort to disqualify Trump from state ballots under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which I just read to you. Which was enacted after, civil- after the Civil War to keep supporters of the Confederacy from serving in the government. What we find out though, is that, uh, Ulysses Grant, Ulysses S Grant, who was, uh, after, after the 13th amendment, when, uh, um, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, Andrew Johnson came in to be president and Ulysses S Grant, who was the commander of the union army. Um, he was the vice president and then he became the next president. And he said that he thought that this was not a good thing that, um this it's not fair to to keep the the people out of government unless it's unless the voters decide that and clearly whether he whether he um overrode that or whatever happened there's tons of people that were part of the confederacy that got into congress and and became governors um after that so clearly something was changed Something was changed, but you know, when the Democrats are, are grasping at straws, they'll grasp at anything. So uh, that's why the liberals are all over the airwaves this week talking about the Constitution and calling Trump a Confederate. He was an enemy of the Constitution.
1: Simply a plain reading of the US Constitution. This is not partisan. This is about applying historic principles.
0: What do you say to the, um, to the Republican candidate's argument that this should be, the voters should have the say and not the courts?
2: Why are you standing with Confederates who betrayed this country?
3: And you can hear she's starting to laugh uh, because she knows what she's saying is a joke. And and since about a dozen other states have pending lawsuits challenging Trump's candidacy, this whole thing could open up a floodgate to keep Trump off the general election ballot in numerous states. I personally think they're trying to use a law from, from from the Civil War to start another civil war, which I think is where we're going. Uh, California is not one of those states, but regardless, there's already a movement underway to get him off our state Republican primary ballot. From the LA Times on Wednesday, this headline, California Democrats want Trump off their ballots too. California Democrats are hoping a Tuesday court decision, disqualifying former President Trump from from the Colorado primary ballot, will boost their efforts to to bounce him from California's Republican primary as a key deadline approaches this week, Lieutenant Governor Elaney Kunalakis, a Democrat who's running for governor in 2026, you know uh, why wait till the last minute? You know uh, we're uh, one year into uh, Gavin Newsom's um, into his into his last term. Hey, we got three more years, but I'm going to already announce my candidacy. I'm running when he's when he's out. Well, she sent a letter Wednesday to California Secretary of State Shirley Weber, urging her to, quote, explore every legal option to remove Trump from the March 5th ballot because of his role in the January 6th insurrection. This decision is about, is, is about honoring the rule of law in our country and protecting the fundamental pillars of democracy. She wrote, citing the California Supreme Court's 4-3 decision to bar Trump from the ballot in that state. Yeah. I think uh, California is, is run by a bunch of nuts. And I think um, something needs to be done about who gets to vote in our country. You know, who gets to vote in our country, who gets to vote in our state. I think, uh, I think we should have new election laws that say, hey, if you're 18 and you can pass this test, the same test that, that uh, immigrants have to pass to get their citizenship, and you, Make some effort to understand the ballot propositions, and maybe we have workshops on those where you have a town hall where people can comment on these town halls or people, hey, if you want to vote on the propositions, you have to go to these town halls, and there's town halls all over the place, and people have open discussion about each and every every, uh, uh, proposition. So people at least have a feel for what they mean rather than just getting those mailers and the in the, those, ba- those, those uh, suggestions in the flyers in the, in the mail or watching what, what the Democrats put on TV. It's all BS. It's all BS. So if you, if you watch the wrong channels, you're misinformed or uninformed. And if you, uh, if you check your mail and you pull the wrong flyer, you're misinformed and uninformed. So meanwhile, uh, at his rally in Iowa this week ahead of next month's caucus, Trump referenced this event without mentioning Colorado specifically.
0: They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. And in the end, they're not after me. They're after you. I just happen to be standing in their
3: way. Yeah, he's, he's exactly right. Because what they're doing to Trump, if they get away with doing it to Trump, they'll get away with doing it to all of us. And you know, why are they so damn afraid of, of Trump? He's, he's the, they're afraid of him because he's the only one from outside the circle. He doesn't need, he doesn't need lobbyists to give him money to. Uh, steer him toward decisions. He, he's, he can't be bought. And he's just not part of their club. And the our government, we found, is so corrupt. It's so corrupt, we need to wash them all out. Wash them all out and start over. And uh, it's, just, it's just disgraceful. Um, Trump's comments there echoes what he said on the, at the Hannity Town Hall two weeks ago when he reminded us, reminds us why he needs to be back in the White House.
0: The person they don't want to run against is us. It's us. It's not me. It's us. Because it's a movement. I mean, who doesn't want to see strong borders and a strong military and low taxes and low interest rates and go out and buy a house? We are going to do things. We're going to close the border. Day one, the border gets closed.
3: And day one and a half, we drill. You know, we drill, baby, drill, drill, drill. Yeah, because, yeah, because Trump, Trump being reelected is going to be the end of democracy because we're going to close our borders and we're going to drill for oil and gas prices are going to come down and utility prices are going to come down and shipping prices are going to come down. The price of everything is going to come down and we'll be safer. That sounds like the end of democracy to me. Uh, If you if you don't catch the sarcasm, then you're not listening close enough. Anyway, I'm I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, everybody have a very Merry Christmas enjoy enjoy your families enjoy your time uh unwrapping presidents and cleaning up the mess and uh i'll be back again with you next week